Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on May 25th, Wednesday afternoon. Um, and we, we got a fun one here. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of speculation with the offseason, whether it's I already have people blowing up the timeline about Dylan Brooks trades, you know, draft talk with the combine last week. But one of the things that's really going to dominate this offseason is the Tyus Jones free agent speculation. You know, uh, he, he had himself one, one hell of a year, a career year, in fact, um, averaging a ride around eight points per game and about four assists, uh, shooting 39% from three. And I think the thing that's going to stick out to a lot of suitors the most is the fact that the Grizzlies were 20 and six when Tyus Jones started in place for John Morant. So, you know, with free agency coming up and um, the fact that there could be a starting opportunity out there for him, you know, he, he might be somebody that walks and um, he did express in the exit interviews last week that, uh, being a starter is something that he's always wanted to do. So I've I've always said, you know, if Tyus Jones gets somewhere um, offered where he could potentially be a starting point guard, then he's probably going to go there. But I will get more into that here when I bring in my guests. But first, ways to get in touch with the podcast and with the blog. So GBB Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside the three and D podcast and the starting five podcast. So wherever you get your podcasts, starting five or Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, you can find the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network there. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find out on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me today is the founder of the Couch Critic, which is his personal substack, and he's also a writer for Knicks Fan TV, the co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast presented by Elite Sports New York. It's Chip Murphy. Chip, how are you doing uh, this afternoon, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. No problem. And, you know, I'm having you on because you wrote a really good column for Knicks Fan TV titled, Is Tyus Jones the Answer for the New York Knicks? And, you know, it's, you know, the main uh, point guard destination for this offseason, whether that's trades as a longtime NBA reporter Mark Stein reported that, you know, the Knicks could be in play for trade targets like Malcolm Brogdon, D'Angelo Russell, Mike Conley, or free agents like Jalen Brunson or Tyus Jones. So chip to you. Why Tyus Jones? Why is he somebody that you want the Knicks to potentially go after to be the starting point guard for the 2022-2023 New York Knicks? Well, I've always been a fan of his. We talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I've been a fan since he was in college. I'm, I'm a Duke fan, and I've always liked his game. And he provides a stability to the offense. Like he, I mean, he never turns the ball over. He's smart which is something the Knicks desperately need. And I think his improvement with his jump shot is something the Knicks could really use. The, I know the three-point shot, this is the first year where it's become really consistent, but I, I'm buying how good it is. I, I don't know how high it'll keep up, but I really think he can, can be a good shooter. Um, yeah, I, I just think he provides a stability with his uh, decision-making. I think he's a good defender, which is something the Knicks have needed at the – one spot for a long time 
And uh, I think he's a starting caliber point guard player. And I, I love his, I talked about it and thank you for the compliment on the piece too. And mm-hmm. I talked about in the piece, I talked about his, uh, his floater too, which is such a weapon for a guy, his size. And I think his is so undervalued because I think the first thing that's talked about with him is his decision-making and the, the fact that he always leads the league and assists a turnover ratio, but he's really smart the way he uses a screen and can go and score on the floater. And with the way the Knicks have their young bigs aren't really capable of doing anything other than diving to the rim and catching a lob. So if they were able to do something like just, you know, dribble out and hand the ball off to him, like and grab an easy assist, something like that. Like if he's able to use a screen on say someone like Mitchell Robinson, yeah, like, that's that's an easy bucket for him. Someone giant like that or Jericho Sims for us. Like, I just think he's a good fit with this roster, basically. I think he's a good fit with R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I, he's a guy who doesn't need to dominate the ball, basically, Like, which is helpful for the Knicks because they need someone like R.J. Barrett to have the ball more. Right. And, you know, it's a very interesting point because I think what – the what Tyus Jones allows for the Knicks and granted I'm saying this as uh, more of a expert ish guy on Tyus Jones rather than I'm an outsider for the Knicks so I don't understand the team dynamics the way that you do but from an outsider's perspective I see it as one of those things that uh, Tyus Jones allows for a little bit more of like uh, malleability of sorts you know like you said he doesn't need to dominate the ball which in turn allows RJ Barrett to get on the ball a little bit while also giving him a point guard that he could kind of rely on and a veteran point guard who's not going to turn the ball over and just overall like a really good floor general. And also too, I mean, I just got reminded of the fact that even if Mitchell Robinson walks in free agency, they're going to have Jericho Sims just like waiting for him. And I, I feel like you can look at that Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark pairing from the past three years and just think like, Granted, like Jericho Sims or Mitchell Robinson, they don't have, you know, the production um, of Brandon Clark, but they're also both four to five inches taller than him. So just imagine giving Tyus Jones a seven-foot lob threat to have off pick and rolls. Um, And then also, too, like, you know, the Knicks, they're they're a Thibodeau team. Like, they're not going to be grinding out possessions or anything. Uh, I'm looking at – um, the NBA website right now, and the Knicks are second to last in pace. So having a point guard that could embarrassing that that is <laughs> they're so slow. Hey, I, I feel no like reason that's, to be slow, and they're slow. That's what happens when you have Julius Randle as your number one option. Oh, but but you have but with that though, I feel like for a low pace team, it's important. It's even more important to have as many guys on the floor that can take care of the ball and not turn the ball over. And when you're having that start with your point guard, I, I think it could lead to, even though you're not getting as many possessions as a lot of these other teams, you know, like the Grizzlies or the Bucks or the Timberwolves, you're still able to find efficiency because you are taking care of the basketball and you are, for the most part, getting shots up in those possessions. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, Tom Thibodeau teams are always going to trend dominantly towards playing in the half court, no matter what he says in the media about how he wants to play more fat faster this year. It's just his teams are going to play in the half court, especially you mentioned Julius Randle. Julius Randle, the team 
the offense takes, I'm sure you've seen this with John Morant, the offense takes on the identity of its star player. And unfortunately, Julius Randle, when he dominates the ball and sometimes throws a ball all over the court in the half court, that's kind of why you need a guy who can handle the ball like Tyus Jones, who isn't going to do that in the half court when your Mm -hmm. team is going to have the ball so much in the half court, someone who can, you know, kind of control the offense. Not that, you know, not that he's going to have the ball obviously as much as Julius, but maybe you put him on the court with Julius and RJ. And I think, one of the most important things with him, and I talked about this too, is I think he can play with Emmanuel quickly. And I think those quickly and RJ and Obi Toppin are the three most important Knicks going forward. And I think he pairs well with all three of those guys. And that might be the thing I like most about him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one thing that you could probably like pinpoint to that is his success alongside combo guards like Mm -hmm. D'Anthony Melton or another point guard like John Morant like the the lineups this year with Ja and Tyus were really strong and it's kind of it's kind of an area that catches you off guard because it like John Morant and Tyus Jones they aren't known for their defense like Tyus has improved in that area but for the most part still kind of working in that area I mean this season from cleaning the glass their net rating was almost 15 points per 100 possessions and 309 uh, 383 possessions and when you even get that to a combo guard like Tyus Jones um or not Tyus Jones like D'Anthony Melton uh they they've been very productive together over the past three years and kind of maintain at a 6.4 net rating and a little over 1200 possessions so yeah you know that that kind of fit with the manual quickly is enticing especially when you have that number the numbers to back it up and it kind of leads into one of my questions um, about this fit is, you know, they have veteran backups like Derek Rose and Alec Burks, um, even RJ Barrett and Evan Fournier can handle the ball a little bit, but I feel like this could be an opportunity to trust Emmanuel quickly a little bit more and see what he can do as a primary point guard. So why Tyus Jones at the potential expense of, Emmanuel quickly. Well, to me, it's not the expense of Emmanuel quickly. To me, I think you can play both of them because I'm a huge quickly guy and I think you can play quickly and Jones together. And I think quickly is the point guard of the future, but I don't think signing Jones. I know there's a lot of quick. There were a lot of quickly. When I wrote the article, there were a lot of Knicks fans who saw the art. I'm glad you brought this up because a lot of Knicks fans saw the article and were like, no, Quickly's the guy. Just make Quickly the point guard. And I'm like, I don't think signing Jones means that you can't make Quickly the point guard. Unless Jones says, I want to be a starter wherever I go. Then obviously that's unfortunate, but you can't sign him. In my opinion, I, I don't think he should come in because I think Quickly should be the starter. But I think it would be really good for Quickly to play with Jones, too. I think he, and I don't think Quickly has necessarily earned the absolute right to start for sure. I think if if Jones is flexible on coming off the bench, and Quickly, I think for sure will, I think the two of them can make a good combination together. And I don't know, I I don't think bringing in Jones. Uh, hurts quickly as, as I know some Knicks fans think that bringing in uh, Jones is you know a, a, is a move that's going to harm quickly long term I 
I, I think you, you sign a guy to, it's not like you're going to sign Jones to a, a max contract. He's going to be here for the next five years, hundred million dollars, whatever you're going to give him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, you're going to most likely pay him. I mean, you're not going to pay him 20 million. You're going to pay him less than that, less than 15 probably. And to a tradable contract, a good, you're paying a good uh, number. And what I closed the piece with was the Knicks can't afford to turn away talent. So if Tyus Jones wants to come to the Knicks, who the hell are they to turn away Tyus Jones? That was basically my point on it too. You know, and the facts that Tyus Jones has built himself up to that point, granted, he was awesome at Duke. I mean, Final yeah. Four, outstanding player of the year. Um, had Barack Obama calling him Tyus Stones yeah. at the uh, at the White House visitation. That that was a real. That was probably one of my he's favorite stories t- I've written. He's a teenager hitting those shots in the national championship game. It's crazy. Yeah, it was just nuts. And then you know the fact that in Minnesota he was a third string point guard playing behind um, Derrick Rose, Jeff Teague, uh, players like that. Um, and really just the Grizzlies kind of took a bet on him being a backup caliber point guard and he's emerged into the best, like the best backup point guard in the NBA. I don't think, I don't think you could debate that when he has a 20 and six record as a starting point guard. Um, he's led the league and assisted turnover ratio over the past three years. I think you can go ahead and kind of solidify that, but the fact that he's built himself up to that point and in line for a starting spot, you know, it's credit for the opportunity, but also like credit to like how his games developed, especially becoming more of a threat as an outside shooter, leaning on that floater. And then one thing that you mentioned is how he's been able to even take on a higher usage and still maintain that efficiency. And I think for, for that, and especially for like the Knicks point of view, that that is something that you want to see out of a guy that could be in line for a, for a starting spot is how is that efficiency going to translate when he has a higher usage? And surely you got to be feeling good about what you've seen this past season with Tyus Jones in that regard. Absolutely. For sure. I think it's always like, it's difficult. You mentioned that the best backup point guard is kind of a, a gift and a curse. The, the label, I think like we caught, we saw Dennis Schroeder when he was with Oklahoma city, put up these, massive bananas numbers yeah when he was coming off the bench with them and look what look what happened he went to la and there were these huge uh, expectations and it was a disaster mm-hmm. but then you look at jalen brunson with dallas and he's ter- he was the considered the best backup point guard in the nba and now he's going to be uh, he's going to get a huge contract he's playing with luka Doncic. he's going to get 180 to 100 million dollars and it's that it's that best backup quarterback in the NFL label. It becomes mm-hmm. if you play, if you fill in for the starter like Tyus Jones did, and you have a good run like Tyus Jones did, are you good enough to start, or are you just someone who can win in small sample sizes? And I think Tyus Jones, you mentioned twenty and six. I think that's enough of a sample size to say mm-hmm. this guy can lead an offense if he has enough talent around him because in Memphis, he did have a lot of talent around yeah. him. It was, it was a really good team. So I'm not going to say like, oh, if he goes to the Orlando Magic, they're going to be good. Of course not. But I think if the Knicks have enough talent around him, I think he can be a starting point guard in the NBA too. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see for sure. And, you know, it's it's one of those things too where 
I mean, you, like for the Knicks, and this is another question I want to ask you in this regard is like the Knicks, you know, they, they have a chance like in this regard where they can upgrade their, their roster by actually getting a starting point guard. I, I will say just from box score watching, it would always baffle me to see Alec Burks starting at point guard over guys like Emmanuel Quickly and Miles McBride, where it's like, hey, what are you fighting for at this point? Like, go ahead and see what your young guys got. And I remember, like, Kevin O'Connor, like, in his, like, seven things column, he would write pretty frequently about different young players on the Knicks. Like, whenever they got opportunities, they pulled out. And, and you know, like with, with that, and especially with the way the, the Eastern Conference is right now, I mean, a lot of those teams in a top six, they aren't going away. Brooklyn, Atlanta, Cleveland, Charlotte, they're not going away either. So with that, and also too, the fact that the 2023 draft class is already shaping up to be pretty special with um, Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, like is New York really – in position to, you know, take on like a win now move with a guy like Tyus Jones? Does he even, does he kind of allow for you to soft pivot to a uh, February teardown? If it looks like ping pong balls are in play, like I, I'm trying to just figure out that dynamics. I feel like they're in a spot where they have a chance to add a generational talent and they're just kind of caught up in the play in, in a sense. Are you, well, first of all, uh, you watch the box score of Alec Burks playing point guard. Imagine having to watch the games of Alec <laughs> Burks playing point guard. It's yeah. a complete nightmare. <laughs> oh, it was a disaster. And he's a good player, but being miscast in that role, it, it was sad to watch him because he was so good for us uh, last two years ago. And he, he we wouldn't have uh, had as good a record as we did probably without him. He played really the one game we won against the Hawks. He played really well. But but to your uh, sorry, can you can you repeat your question? I just was thinking about Alec Burks for too long. It's it's all good. <laughs> Basically, just the point of like, you know, with Tyus Jones, he seems more of a, a win now move. And oh, right. know, I, I kind of right. feel like the Knicks are just obsessed with the plan. But like, I think with the way the Eastern Conference landscape is shaking out, like have a real chance to like kind of position themselves next season to get into that sweepstakes to go get a. Victor Wimbanyama or a Scoot Henderson instead of, you know, fighting for the play-in and just, or back then the playoffs and just inevitably get the ninth pick. My feeling on it is as much as I would like for this front office to accept some sort of reality, as long as Tom Thibodeau is the head coach, they're never going to be like, oh, this is not the right move because it's a win now move. They're never going to uh, tank, yeah. If you mm-hmm. want to use that word, which I don't, I think they have too many good players on the team right now to tank per se. I think they'd need to trade, like they'd need to trade Randall. Obviously, mm-hmm. they need to trade Fournier. That would be step one and two. Um, and I, I just don't. With Tom Thibodeau as your head coach, you're not going to do that. And yet, Tyus Jones is a guy who helps you win. You sign him to help you win, for sure. But I, I also think it, it's a good move for your future, too. I think you put him, like I said with Quickly, you put him... I know Tyus, I'm talking about Tyus like he's an, like a, an old veteran, but he's a young guy, he's 26. He plays like an older, older veteran. Yeah. He's learned like one, and he's, you know, he's got winning experience. He's got playoff experience. There's a lot that 
quickly and Nobi and Sims and can learn from him. And obviously him and RJ know each other and are going to get along. And Cam Reddish is there. And I forgot about Cam too. And I just think he'd be a really good fit with these young guys. And that's something that really matters in my opinion. Might not matter to Tibbs very much, but uh, he will be able to help us win, which will matter to Tibbs. For sure. And, you know, it's one thing that you said about Tyus Jones. Like, you know, he's only, he is a veteran. Like this, he just completed his seventh season in the league. So when you sign, it'll be eighth year in the league. But he'll be entering as like 26. I mean, it's just kind of wild. It's like, He's still young, but has still such a wealth of experience. And, you know, you talk about his performance and like, even as a starter, I think. So this season as a starter, he averaged 12 points, uh, 12.6 points, about six to seven assists. And he shot 40% from three in those uh, games as a starter. And then he also had two games as a starter in the playoffs before kind of running out of gas in uh, game six. He had 19 points, six rebounds, five assists in games in game four and hit three out of his seven threes. And in game five, he had 21 points, nine assists. And oh yeah, in those two games, he only had one turnover combined while playing 41 minutes in game four, 25 in game five. And he also went four, seven from three then. So like you have this evidence of him also being a solid starting point guard like in the second round of the playoffs like it's not like one of those things like oh it's a one verse eight or no disrespect to the minnesota timberwolves a two verse seven like they're playing the golden state warriors who are right now the favorites to probably win the whole thing that says a lot when you get into these free agency negotiations for sure oh yeah yeah i'm i mean if you're his agent you bring up immediately how he looked in the playoffs right uh, and his record as the starter, that's what you got to go to first. He's just a winner. That's that's what you go to. Tyus Jones is a winner. For sure. Absolutely. And so we'll, we'll have one more question about Tyus Jones, and it will actually be our question of the day. Shout out to the 78 people that voted on this question. And the question is, how much money do you think Tyus Jones will command in free agency? 1.7%. The people said he'll get less to the mid-level, so less than $9.5 million. Uh, 24.1% said the uh, mid-level, which would be around 9.5 to $10 million. 65.5%, which was the winner, had 11 to $14 million. And then 8.6% of the vote percent of the voters said $15 million or more. So, Chip, where do you fall on this? I believe I voted on – it was 11 to $14 million, right? Yes. Yes. I voted 11 to 14 and I actually looked it up and I was looking at the, yeah, Devante Graham's contract that Mm. he signed last year. I thought that was a good point of reference because he was, uh, he signed for four years, 47 million. And I think 30, yeah, 37 million of it is guaranteed. And he was 26 last year when he signed it like Tyus and he had just, he was breaking out like Tyus is right now when he signed mm-hmm. it. And uh, this year he made 11 million. Uh, next year, 2022, 23, he makes 11.5. 23, 24 makes 12.1. 24, 25, he'll make 12.6. So a pretty good contract. I, I think that's a pretty good number for Tyus. Uh, if I'm Tyus's agent, 
I go in, like, like we were just talking about, I go in and I say, we're not taking anything less than Devontae Graham's number because I think Devon, I think Tyus is just as valuable, if not maybe more, probably more than Devontae Graham. So I, I think four years, 48 uh, is a good number for Tyus. And I think it's most importantly, we know every team thinks about this. It will be, as long as he keeps up this production and stays healthy, it'll be a very tradable contract. Absolutely. Because, you know, everybody's looking for starting point guards. And mm-hmm. um, I, I actually had the mid-level exception just because uh, the, I think the trade market is going to get a little crazier than we expect. Uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell of Minnesota and their new ownership. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon, who's finally tradable. Yeah, he's and gone, clearly. Brogdon. Malcolm, yeah, and Malcolm Brogdon kind of doesn't seem like the direction they want to go with, with Tyrese Halliburton at the helm and mm-hmm. the potential prospect of having a guy like Shaden Sharp or Dyson Daniels at six ready to pick, who's yeah. a better and younger fit. Um, and then, obviously, Utah with Mike Conley, he definitely has a tougher contract to trade, but... I say like a team like the Knicks, like you have tradable, like you have big contracts that could equal Mike Conley's salary number. And it's ironic. This is a Grizzlies podcast and I'm bringing up a former Grizzly for a Knicks point guard. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you could take like the Fournier contract and the Alec Burks contract and get Mike Conley. And in that you're opening up a roster spot. So I just think the point guard market is going to shake out a little bit more unexpected uh, right now, just because the trade wins that are bound to happen over the next several weeks. And um, I, I think it will ultimately end up being like the mid-level. And uh, if if there's a starting spot that's available, he's going to take it. But I think if no one else is offering a starting spot, he'll be back in Memphis. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of teams with cap room either. Right. And is he really like that? That's the thing we were talking about this on my podcast, too. Uh, is he really going to want to like leave the Memphis Grizzlies to go sign with the Pistons? Like, I, I don't think so. So yeah, you could be right. If he doesn't want to come to the Knicks, he could very well end up back in Memphis on a pretty team friendly deal. I, I'm just not sure he's going to have a lot of options is the other thing. I, off the top of my head, I don't know all the other teams that have cap room. I know Dallas can make some room and maybe he's, if Brunson goes to New York, he I, I think he'll probably be someone that Dallas looks at, but I don't know. It's yeah. He's going to be a, a coveted free agent for the teams that do have cap room, but it's not, it's, I, I don't know. It's going to depend, I guess on how, how I, I mean, how much can Memphis offer? Do we know the the maximum that Memphis can offer him? I'm not sure on the maximum they can offer mm-hmm. him. Um, all I know is that they, likely have his bird rights i just don't know at what number that is um but i I think cleaning the glass says that they have his bird rights up to 16 million dollars i think that's right i don't know that's the free agent cap hold they have on ties jones it's about 16 million i don't think they would pay that much but that's what it's shaking out to be right now right because they i mean do you think they saw this year coming where he improved this much with his three-point shot they probably didn't think they'd have to pay anywhere close to that much right i would say so uh just because with with tyus i do think at some point they would have seen a regression back to the mean for his jumper 
Mm-hmm. In his first season with Memphis, he shot about 38% from three, and that number kind of plummeted down to 32%. And, you know, that, that season was so weird with COVID, limited practice time, all that. So I, I didn't – I don't think they probably took that much stock in that, uh, that decrease right there. And, you know, they bet on it, and he had a career year as a result. And now he's setting himself up to become a – uh, a starting point guard with uh, a very nice contract underway over the next uh, six weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, he's going to make somewhere close to if maybe more than $50 million, I would be surprised if he doesn't make anywhere around 50 million. Yeah. I mean, I, it could very much be one of those things where we look up and obviously we will say this out of pure happiness, but we'll be like, Tyus Jones just made what? But yeah, it would be much deserved for sure. I yeah, he had a, a great year, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's maybe it's a lot less, but I, I think he's going to get paid. I think he's going to be one of those those guys that a lot of teams sneaky like. But it's it's also it's not like it's not like a super strong free agent class, which is why no. I think he's going to be why he why I think he's going to be a coveted guy. So I, I don't know. Their, their free agent rumor season hasn't started yet. It's still draft lie rumor season. Absolutely. And, you yeah. know, after the ad break, we're going to get into some of those, uh, those draft rumors, those draft mm-hmm. talks. So don't go anywhere, guys. We'll be right back. All right. So, Chip, um, I want to give a shout-out to the, the guys over at 92.9. Um, uh, the Mark, Mark Giannato, Jeffrey Wright, Connor Wright on their 2-4 to four show. They've been doing a Grizzlies trade of the day. Um, throwing out different trade ideas, basically saying yay or nay on them. And I had one that I had sent my friend Connor the other day, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Chip. Okay. So the Knicks get DeAnthony Melton, the 22nd pick and the 29th pick, in exchange for Alec Burks and the 11th pick. Is that something that you would probably think on as a Knicks fan, or is that 11th pick just too valuable to give up on? I would not do it, but I have, I'm really high on Johnny Davis. Okay. I'm I'm hoping he goes at a, hoping he falls to 11. And so I wouldn't do, I just think we, we really need, and I have a lot of faith in this front office to, to draft well, because we drafted so well, but, and I like the Anthony Melton too, but no, I, I wouldn't do it just because I, I think there's guys who are going to be there at 11 who won't be there at 22, like someone of Davis's caliber. And I, I think he'd be great for us. I, I would prefer if the Knicks traded up than trade down. Uh, so no, no, I wouldn't do that one. Okay. So what would it take from the Memphis Grizzlies to move up into the 11th pick? And I'm just asking this because, you know, the Grizzlies, they, this, especially this front office, they have a habit of trading up in the 2019 draft, traded up uh, from 23 to 21 to get Brandon Clark. And then in the um, the 2020 draft, traded up from 40 to 35 to get Xavier Tillman. And last year, they traded from 17 to 10 to get Zaire Williams. And then they went from, I want to say, 51 to 40 to 30 to get Santi Aldama. So trading up is something they don't mind doing if it means getting their guy. So with the Knicks, they they have contracts they might want to unload. The Grizzlies have a little bit of cap space that they could do so. 
what would it take for the Memphis Grizzlies and New York Knicks to make a deal revolving around that 11th pick in your eyes? Um, do you want Julius Randle? You can have Julius Randle. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. That's, that's a very interesting proposition. Is it really? I wouldn't do it, but it's also one of those things like, granted, you can take whatever you want from that uh, 2020, 2021 season, but I mean, still a guy removed from an all-NBA team, an all-star team, the best player on a team that had front court in the playoffs. It's interesting, but it doesn't strike me as the kind of move this front office would make, uh, especially since, um, I mean, for one, um, I I don't know where they're going to go yet with Jaron Jackson Jr. and if they're going to make him a five or a four. Um, But at the same time, they've kind of made this priority to make sure that the clear number uh, one, two, three options are Ja, Bain, and Jaron Jackson. And, you know, I, I don't know if they would want that guy to be out of the front court, a guy that shoots a lot of twos. I, it kind of strikes me that they make a move for a guy that kind of shakes up the hierarchy. It's a guy with a little bit of a higher three-point volume. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would take Julius Randle, but, I mean, crazier things have happened. But I, I don't think Julius Randle is on the Grizzlies' radar whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, half-joking when I say that. But I, I do like – I like DeAnthony Melton when you said that, but I would prefer like I would like Zaire Williams. I really like uh, all Knicks fans would like him, and I know Grizzlies. The Grizzlies aren't going to want to trade him. Like Zaire mm-hmm. Williams, I like Brandon Clark. Those are two guys who I, I would like. But obviously, both of those picks, I don't know, man. I just really don't want to. I really don't want to trade back from eleven. I but totally. Yeah. Look, this this is shaping up to be a good draft class. So I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. I really yeah. don't. Um, I mean, if if they do, tra- I think if the Knicks trade, they're going to trade up. If anything, um, I, I think anything to trade a guy like Evan Fournier with the eleventh pick to get off his contract, we'd be pretty short, pretty short sighted on their part. Um, especially since, you know, like you said uh, in the last segment, this isn't a deep uh, free agency class. Like there isn't anybody you need to be shelling out cap space for. It's not like, and I'm not meaning to hit too close to home with this, but it's not like the 2019 all season when you had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, guys like that entering free agency. You're not having that. I mean, hell, I mean, if they want to make room for a guy like Zach Levine, then that, uh, or trading away the 11th pick, trade that, or it kind of ease that sting a little bit. But yeah, I do not blame you, Chip. I really don't. Yeah, it's just there's so many. There's Johnny Davis and uh, you know Matherin, Sohan, like you know uh, Duran, your guy, uh, Duran, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tari, I like you know Malachi Branham is someone who, if you were paying attention to the the combine, Malachi, oh my God, now he's a guy who you may want to be taking at eleven. The mm. one guy who I could see you trading down and then maybe crossing your fingers that he gets to 22 is like Okai Agbaji from yeah. Kansas. Like maybe he slips because of his age, but I don't really want to take the chance that he falls one guy. So yeah, I just, I, I think I'd stay at 11. I think it's such a risk F- going down that many spots. And then of course, with our luck, well, the 11th pick, you guys will take a hall of famer. So I don't want to, I don't want to take that chance. either. I- I totally, totally understand that for sure. 
And I mean, th- this is a really good draft class. I, I, there's a lot of fits for the Knicks, a lot of different directions that can go mm-hmm. down. You know, you bring up combo guards like Johnny Davis or big forwards like Jeremy Sohan and Terry Eason. I mean, I'm a big fan of Terry Eason like he, mm-hmm. or Terry Tari. Um, I'm a big fan of his. Um, you can go get – you can end up just wanting to replace Mitchell Robinson and go get Jalen Duran uh, or Mark Williams, um, Malachi Branham. Like, there's just a lot of different directions at that spot, and I think that's one thing that in, intrigues me about this draft and, like, the little separation there is from spots – 11 through 25 really uh but also too just a lot of guys that could potentially fall down from that top 10 and next thing you know you're you're walking into something good so uh, every draft there's at least one guy who falls who you're not expecting to fall so and and sometimes it's in that like 8 through 11 range and maybe you get lucky but i don't know it's it's an interesting draft because a lot of these mocks they're they're different for once like Johnny Davis is a guy who we've mentioned a lot now who it's very interesting because sometimes he'll be there at like 11 or 12. And then sometimes he's gone at like five or six or something wild like that. It's, I think teams are a little all over on him. I I, I like Davis a lot for the next, he would be the guy that I, I want. And like I said, I, I don't want to trade down because he won't be there. For sure. I totally understand. Mm-hmm. And whether that's, you know, Johnny Davis or, AJ Griffin Jr. Like there's there's oh, a lot of God. dudes that could just yeah. fall. And as a team that, you know, that 11 through 14 in the lottery, it represents a, hey, we're almost there. Like, let's try to get this swing right here. And if it hits, then there we are at that level. It's a lot easier to go from a 35 win team to a 45 win team than it is to go from a 20 win team to a 500 team like mm-hmm. so yeah and I, I'll, I'll wrap up the show with this so you know this is a memphis grizzlies podcast a lot of a lot of listeners here are tiger memphis tiger fans what are your thoughts on Jalen duran and his uh potential fit with the new york knicks is that something that intrigues you or would you rather go down a different direct direction like what is it that you might like or don't like about his game well it definitely intrigues me because he's been mocked to us all over the place and I've yeah. been looking, looking at him recently and everywhere I look, it's like, oh, Mitchell Robinson replacement, Jalen Duran and, and Mark Williams, everybody's comparing the two of them saying we should take one of them. And yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be really good. And his upside is obviously huge. That's the first thing you see when you see him. And he's an incredible shot blocker. Uh, he's super young and I don't know if he's ready to, come in right away and start for Mitch. But look, if they take him at 11, I think I wouldn't be upset about it. Or He's not like my first choice. Like I already said, I think they need Dave. I think they need a wing, a scoring wing. But if they look, I'm not a huge Mitch guy. I'm not a big fan of paying him, uh, committing money to him long-term. So if they, I mean, drafting Duran at 11 would essentially be like saying, all right, we're letting Mitchell Robinson walk in free agency. So if that's the plan, I wouldn't be against that. But yeah, you at the same time, you have to commit resources to him. And just based on you watching him, he the stuff he's not good at 
is stuff that 18 year old kids typically aren't very good at. Like the simple stuff, like the fundamentals and all that, like he just needs to get that down. But a lot of the other stuff, like just the, the stuff that centers are supposed to dominate at, like he has, his body is so unbelievable. Like the seven, obviously the seven foot five wingspan and he's just really strong and he can finish well inside. He's got a little bit of hint of a mid range game too. Like it, it just looks like he can be a stud. And I, if, like I said, wing, I'm wing first for us, but if they took him at 11, I think it would be a good pick too. Yeah, absolutely. It's very exciting to see how it's all going to shake out and a little less than a month. So I know this can be a busy time for you, Chip. And I know over at Grizzly Bear Blues, we're going to be diving into the draft next week. But uh, do you have any final comments before we close the show here? Uh, on on the draft, I just, yeah, it's going to be a wild one, man. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about it. And I really appreciate you having me on. I know this is your, you said this is your uh, first uh, show as the host, right? Yeah, first show as the official host. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on for this one. And uh, I, I guess I should plug myself. I always feel uncomfortable, awkward doing that. But my, uh, my Twitter is at uh, ShipMurphy7. And you can find everything that I write. Uh, on like you mentioned earlier Knicks fan tv it's we're the, the best Knicks site we have great writers there we have cp does all our Knicks stuff it's a great site go to Knicks fan tv and you can find all my Knicks content there absolutely yeah y'all make sure y'all do that uh chip does a lot of great stuff and uh, i know he has his ties jones article pinned in his twitter profile so mm-hmm. make sure y'all check that out give him give him a shout read up read up on a uh, Knicks fan tv read a Substack, the couch critic and check out his podcast and you know chip i really appreciate you coming on uh, you can find me on twitter at paca underscore flock and make sure you are reading the blog at grizzlybearblues.com or on and following us on twitter at spn grizzlies we are wrapping up our player reviews and our staff's done an awesome job on breaking down every single player from uh, the memphis grizzlies and the uh, different angles from this season and what could be in store going forward. And, you know, it's going to be very exciting, very exciting to also um, break down the draft and get fun, get creative with the draft. I also have um, another announcement coming tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday or Thursday. Yeah. On Thursday. So make sure y'all check Twitter and see what that's all about. But yeah, uh, that's about all we have for uh, GUB live. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast network, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, GBB Next Gen. So uh, we'll talk again soon, everyone. Damn, Flamdog. Damn, Flamdog.